Bless the Lord. Glad you're with us today. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you, band. That was rocking. Amen. That was great. Am I going to be able to unclip this without? All right, we'll see. There we go. All right, so welcome. I think it's also Carl and Ruth's 46th anniversary. Happy anniversary. Wow. Coming up on 50. Travis is halfway to 70. <laughs> don't think about that too long, Travis. You don't want to feel old. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're really glad. And uh, Catherine and Lyle, haven't seen you guys for ages. So glad you're here. And I want to, before I forget, thank you to Tony and Teresa for decorating the dining room. If you haven't been in there yet, it's amazing. So, yeah, bless the Lord. We, it's, uh, we are blessed. Uh, it's, it's a blessing to release people into their gifts because then they just, it gives them such joy and it gives the body such joy. And uh, it's easy. And uh, Brian, welcome. Brian, our, our, our drummer. Is this your, your first time here? Yeah. Yeah. So welcome. We had a we had a new new drummer, Brian. So thank you so much. Yeah. We are we're just we're just so so thankful to the Lord. So thankful for what He's done. Even today, I didn't wasn't expecting it to be sunny. So I'm just so thrilled it's not raining. <laughs> right. So um, I think Heather contacted me earlier, and um, just to review, if you haven't been here, a few weeks ago we started. Um, down this path of um, taking our thoughts captive in obedience to Christ. And we sort of started the ball rolling, and then Maureen had uh, uh, some input, and Bruce had part three, and Heather contacted me, and she says, I, I think I've got part four. So uh, Heather, come on and, and bless us, son. Oh. oh, different from this side. Good morning. <laughs> You're on the far side. <laughs> nice to see you all. <laughs> Well, sort of in the fall, in the fall, I noticed that um, a lot of people were fearful, and uh, not just the um, people of the world, but the, but the Christians were fearful as well, right? And the Lord started to drop stuff in my spirit. So this morning, I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you anoint my words, you anoint yeah. the ears and the hearts of those to hear yeah. it, that need to hear it. Yeah, he is Lord. So uh, when I heard, I kept putting it off, right? Oh, no, Lord, you've got lots of people to pass stuff on. You don't need me. Then every time I turned on the TV, it was someone talking on fear. Uh, then last weekend, it was fear. It was fear. Uh, the authority over fear, not the fear, little fear, right? Um, and then uh, last week, Bruce said, talked about fear. And I walked in this morning, and they're singing about how to overcome fear. So I just have a few things that I want to share. God's given us the tools. Amen. God has given us the authority in Christ to overcome fear. That's why he died. We have all of those tools. And it's not sort of like a slapdash crap suit shoot. He's organized it for us, right? He's yeah. a god of mathematics, and there's a system, and there's a way to go about eliminating fear. So he has said to us 49 times, uh, 69 times, fear not in the Bible. Amen. He has said 41 times, be not afraid. And various forms of that show up 365 times in the Bible. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like your teenagers, right? You say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, or this is going to happen. They go out and do it. You know, he must get fr frustrated with us sometimes, right? He says, fear not, fear not. 
Don't be afraid, right? So what are the tools? Well, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. The Amplified Version is interesting. It says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice, and I really had to dwell on the cowardice for a while, or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power, of love, of a sound judgment, and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. So we're not supposed to be out of control with it. It's not supposed to be running us. We take authority and cast it down. So when I read that little bit about uh, he hasn't given us a spirit of timidity, I thought Paul is speaking to Timothy about timidity, and he must have gotten the Holy Ghost temerity to do so, you know, which is terrific. So how do we proceed? So Ephesians 6 is pretty, pretty clear. Put on the helmet of salvation. I always start at the top and go down. What does your helmet protect? Your mind. Where does the enemy like to attack? Your mind. He is the father of lies. He doesn't tell the truth, never has, never will. He distorts truth. He twists truth. He omits truth. Cast it down. When a thought comes in, take it captive, obedient to Christ, just like a mosquito or a firefly. Just grab it. Grab hold of that thought. Quote scripture if it comes to your mind. Learn the scriptures so you can quote them. Right? I'm a perfect child of God. Jesus died for me. For God so loved me, he gave me his son to die for me. Get the scriptures in your head, right? Ah. It also covers your eyes. What are we watching on TV? What are we watching on Facebook? What are we uh, spending our time looking at? What are we listening to? What are we talking about? All of those things come under the helmet. So what I did is, and it's a good idea, just a Holy Spirit, guard my mouth, guard my eyes, guard my ears. The helmet of salvation will do that for you. The breastplate of righteousness, it covers most of our organs, but the big one is the heart, right? The heart is the wellspring of life, and we have to guard it. Who do you give your heart to? What do you give your heart to? What do you love to do? Think about those things again, and I ask the Holy Spirit, um, just, just do all of that for me, Lord. What do I focus on? What do I love to do? Right? It is the wellspring of life. Girt your loins about with truth. So in the, long, in the olden days, they wore long robes, so they would girt them up in the head like a girdle or a wide belt, and they'd tuck the robes in, and that protects your reproductive organs when you think about it. So where has Satan been attacking? all through history, but certainly since the 60s, 60s, it's been the family, it's been abortion. I can remember when abortion was, oh, but we have mothers who will die if they don't uh, have an abortion, or what in the cases of rape. And I think last year there was 62 million performed in just United States alone. When I left the job that I left when I retired, uh, women were having five and six abortions. It was a method of birth control. The enemy is a liar. Right? Teen pregnancy, right? Let's get condoms in the high school. Teen pregnancy will go down. It hasn't. The STDs have gone up, though, and they even changed the language. It used to be called venereal disease, right? And then it was um, sexually transmitted disease, and now I think it's changed it again to sexual infections. So that takes 
venereal disease used to have a stigma attached to it. There was shame in it because you were sleeping around. And now it's just a sexual infection that you could have gotten anywhere. So the devil is subtle, right? He's wily and his language is huge and he's taken the language down on that one. The latest thing that you've all been, but you know what? In all of this, we serve the risen king. We can That's repent right. of all of this and there's forgiveness at the cross. So the last one is, well, not the last one, but the last thing you put on is your feet, and they're shod with the gospel of peace. So use the opportunity to witness and talk about the hope that is within you. When you take that single mom the groceries, talk about Jesus. The best example I know is uh, Bruce. Bruce is always sharing about Jesus in every good thing he does, right? And lots of, lots of you are. But uh, Bruce always, always gets that word in for the Lord, right? Which is wonderful. And then the shield of faith. It's awesome. If you saw those, if you've ever seen a SWAT team come in, they've got their shields and they stand hip to hip, shoulder to shoulder, and they are impenetrable. And that's how we should be as the body of Christ. We are a body. We are in that same army together and we need to support each other. If Jan goes down, we put the shields up over her. We pray, we fast, we believe the Lord for healing. I have a really nice poem, uh, and I think I got it down here. Um, I am sore wounded, but not slain. I will lay me down and bleed a while, and then rise up to fight again. Jesus has done all that for us, so rest Amen. in him. We'll cover you, and then you rise up again to fight. The sword, that's my favorite. What I envision with the sword is like Princess Leia in Star Wars. You know, zzz, zzz, zzz. Swords can pierce anything. And the Bible says, For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the sword, it, the sword is your ultimate offensive weapon, right? And I just flash back on uh, the breastplate of righteousness and your shield of faith. You need to know the word. You need to have that word in your head so you can call it out when you get afraid, because we shouldn't be afraid, right? Um, he died so we didn't have to be afraid. He's given us all the tools not to be afraid. So we've done all of that and then we stand. Bruce said it last weekend, you stand and you stand, we stand, hip to hip, shoulder to shoulder and who's our captain. And don't think you're gonna turn around and run because the glory of the Lord is our rear guard. Amen. So we're protected all the way around. So God has said we will be able to withstand the evil day, the liar, his darts, and his wiles. For at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, so I proclaim and decree, no fear, no fear, no fear, be not afraid. Fear, you can't come in this building. Surround this building, Lord, with your angels, your warring angels, your guardian angels, and we just give all the glory to the Father. Wednesday nights, we've been talking about the gifts of Jesus and uh, teachers, pastors and teacher. So uh, we know that the Lord has placed various gifts in the body to equip us. And uh, 
to, to bring us into fullness and understanding. So thanks. Thanks, Heather. Thanks for being obedient. Yeah. Um, anyone else have something that, from the Lord that they feel they're, God is prompting them to share for the encouragement of the body? Well, you're also shy today. Go ahead, Frank. Sure. Um, I have said to a pastor the other day, sometimes I'm not positive that I fulfill the Lord wants to do in my life. And I'm like, certain things were spoken into my life many years ago. And just in the whole traveling, or I should say, like church world, there's been a lot of pain and a lot of stuff that my wife and I went through. But I just had this nagging, Lord, have I been, have I become what you want me to be? And I feel like a fraud. And just all the struggle. And when she was sharing, like, he commented to me and said, Brian, it's not over. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. and I, I said, well, I'm 69. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. You look 49. That's okay. Read my mind. Yeah. But I was like, I'm 69. I just, you don't know if I've fulfilled or is there some should I have been someplace else doing something different or should I have been just better all around mm. and when you shared this morning I was like wow like that is absolutely beautiful and powerful what you shared and it just really encouraged me because I don't I don't think you're 49 but like it's beautiful it just really encouraged me that there's so much wisdom, probably in this room, from people that have walked some very serious steps. And the Lord wants to use it. It's a well that can be drawn from. And yeah, you really blessed me this morning. Amen. Yeah. So, um, so uh, maybe Bill, Bill, you're there, and Alan and uh, Ron. You know, let's just pray. Let's just like guys. Get the guys to lay hands on Brian there, and let's just pray. Thank you, God. So, Father, we thank you for the mind of Christ, and we thank you, God, that you bring about the, the good work that you've begun in each of us. You complete it. You are dedicated to your creation. You are dedicated to Christ in each of us, the hope of glory. And so, Father, even as you've planted yourself, the divine nature, in Brian, God, we say yes and amen to the stirring up of your spirit, God, to the stirring up of your spirit, to the stirring up of your spirit. Lord, that Brian will just continue to say yes, to say yes, to say yes, to say yes to your spirit and to do whatever you say. Whatever you say, Lord, whatever he sees the Father doing, whatever he hears the Father saying, that he will have great joy in following you. We speak intimacy over his life, greater intimacy to hear, to receive, to know. Lord, that you would give him dreams and visions. Lord, that the word would just come alive to him, would just come alive. It would burn in his heart like a fire, God, and he would have to share it. Lord, that he would just be so full of your spirit, so full of your spirit. Lord, we just speak more, 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 more. Lord, I pray fire! I pray fire on the body this morning! God, I pray the fire of heaven! Lord, I pray that your kingdom would come in power! God, I pray that you would just wipe away, blow away the doldrums, blow away darkness, blow away fear, blow away clouds.
have destined that we would live in this time, Lord, and that we would bring your kingdom in fullness. So, God, we say yes. As a people, we say yes. As individuals, we say yes. We say yes. We say yes to you. There is no other. There's no other reason to be on this earth than to know you and to worship you and to bring you glory. We say yes, Jesus. Yes, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. 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 Bless the Lord. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> yeah. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So as often happens when God puts something on your heart, um, you get to you get tested in it. So um, I was t I was tested in in just what what we're praying and talking about right now. So um, I preached this sermon last night to my youngest son, who I thought had come home for my birthday, but that was not quite the case. And um, and then he just did a weird and wonderful turn on us. And um, so uh, so the enemy was sort of talking to me. You know, so you get a chance to practice what you preach. And um, God is so much greater, right? God is so much greater. And the thing in which we overcome, we are gaining the ground and the authority. Okay? So the thing in which we overcome, and if you listen to, to Brian Johnson, I'm going to send you the link this week. Okay? Uh, what's it called? I'll send it to you. Uh, it's overcoming. It's, it's, uh, two, it's 2 Corinthians 10, 5. That the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty for the tearing down of strongholds. And that we take every thought captive to Christ. When we overcome here, and this is Brian Johnson speaking, when we overcome here, then we gain the authority to influence our culture. Right? And that's why the battle is so ferocious. The battle for our thoughts is so ferocious because we have to overcome in our minds first so that we can, we can uh, uh, overcome and, and stand in the world. As Heather was talking about, standing, having done all else, stand in the authority and the armor of God. So this morning, Here's, here's the verse that's resonating in my heart, and we're going to talk about Palm Sunday. This is Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it, and they are safe. Let me say it again. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it, the song says, and are saved. The scripture I want to quote is, and are safe. The name of the Lord, Yahweh, is a strong tower. The righteous run to it. They're not waiting for God to come and rescue them because the tower didn't move. The tower is a rock. The tower is a fortress. The tower is a walled city. The tower is a safe place. And they run to it, and they're safe. And sometimes we just have to do that in our thoughts first, don't we? The name of the Lord is our safe place. It's the strong tower. And we run to it, and we are safe. 
sometimes it's the last place we run in our thoughts, and we know it. And our theology would say, there's nothing God can't do. Nothing's impossible for God. Nothing's too difficult for God, right? But in our lives, we're doing everything but. We're running every other place. We're trusting in every other system. Whatever we trust in that's not the Lord becomes a different stronghold. Whether it's my money, my family, my reputation, it could be good things. It can be sports. It can be, it can be my diet, you know, if you're like a real health food person. It can be really good things. But if we trust in anything but the Lord, God wants to show us where we have strongholds, where we're running to, where we're not going to be safe. We're not going to be safe there. And God's exposing that. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Is God ex like exposing stuff? And you're like, I thought I dealt with this decades ago. <laughs> right? And he's showing us stuff because he wants us to run to him. He wants us to run to him. He wants us to know him. So, Lolo, I'm in uh, John 12. Uh, we can read it in the NIV. And this is uh, the chapter where John, all of the Gospels talk about Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. We're going to look at John's. And as I was looking at it, I, I, I was just going, well, this is Palm Sunday, Lord. And as I was looking at it, the, the Lord was just speaking to me about this same thing, about mindsets. I'm going to start right at the beginning of, of chapter 12. John 11 is the, the raising of Lazarus. So Lazarus had been in the grave. You remember the story? Jesus raises him up. And now Jesus is visiting Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived. And he's living, which is the news of the chapter before that, whom uh, Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor, and Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining with him at the table. Or not at the table. Uh, then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. One of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected and said, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. I don't know, with the new budget that came out and everything, where, where the poverty line now is according to our government, some of us would be well below what, <laughs> what they're saying is a, is, a, is a poverty level anymore. But imagine whatever you think a year's wages is. That's a lot of money for perfume. It's a lot of money. And Mary goes and, and breaks this jar of nard and pours it on the Lord's feet. John has some insight into, into Judas. He says, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. 
So just a little lead up, the way, the way John has arranged this tale is Jesus already hinting at the time of his death because really the, the disciples hadn't clicked into it yet. He's giving them hints, he's leading up, he's building up. And apparently, one might gather that Mary and Martha and Lazarus could be well off. Maybe they were very wealthy people if they could afford to spend a year's wages on expensive perfume. So uh, we'll just tuck that, tuck that insight away for a minute. Meanwhile, again, this is uh, six days before the Passover, and the Passover, of course, is central, one of the, the central feasts to the Jews, remembering um, God coming in the angel of death, passing over the Israelites because of the blood of the lamb on their doorposts, on their lentils, and that the angel of death came over and saw the blood, and they were spared, and the firstborn son every, in every other home was taken by the angel of death. So Passover's coming up, and of course, the no accidents in God's timetable, that God is preparing for all time the central event of history, that the Lamb of God will be slain exactly on Passover. So meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, who he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him, as if it's like a competition or a club, right? So here's a guy who's been raised from the dead, been dead and buried in a tomb for four days. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And so people are hearing the story. It's probably like the blind man, right? Is this your son? Was he really born blind? You know, that whole rigmarole of, can we validate this? Is this true? And I'm sure Lazarus is like, were you really dead, Lazarus? He goes, I don't really remember a lot of it, but uh, yeah, I think I died. And now, I, now I'm back, pretty sure. Remember the grave clothes? Remember them unwrapping me going, hey, wait, what happened here? Right? Who knows what stories Lazarus had to tell? And so people are hearing the story, and they're getting excited because the Jews knew the scriptures. And they knew there was a promise. Everybody was waiting for Messiah. The Pharisees are waiting for Messiah. You know, everybody is waiting for Messiah. Is this him? Is this him? You know, was John the Baptist him? They're waiting. They're primed. They're prepped. They're looking. They're listening. But not a lot are believing, honestly. Not a lot have really believed. But they've got their attention now because of Lazarus coming back from the dead. The next day, so five days before Passover, the great crowd had come for the festival, and they heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. So they took palm branches, and they went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. So Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. It's from Zechariah 9.9. The other gospels tell us that Jesus actually sent the disciples and said, you'll find 
this donkey, and it's a colt that's never been written. It's ridden, it's unbroken. And Jesus says, if they ask you what you're doing, just say the Lord has need of it. So he kind of commissions this colt, and the people put their, their coats on it, and he rides in. And it's, you know, for us, we know the story. We, we can see some churches, the kids have palm branches, and it's a familiar tale. But as I was, as I was considering this, and of course, you know, people always point out that five days later, these same individuals are yelling, crucify him. So, you know, as I'm, I'm, I like to just sit with the Lord and I like to just put myself there, you know. I like to just put myself there because I think when we read it, and it's so familiar to us, these passages, we always assume we'll be with the smart guys. <laughs> we always assume we got it right, correct? We're always with the people who are with it, that had insight. And we assume that if we were there, we would have got it right. And so I put myself there, and I, I, I'm thinking about the crowd and what happened to the crowd. And so I started thinking about their mindset. And, you know, like the, with the, what started this all was when I was listening to the Daily Audio Bible, and I heard about the guy who was gathering sticks on the Sabbath, and he, the community had to stone him to death. And I was like, God, that just seems a bit disproportionate, you know, the, the penalty for the crime. And the Lord said to me, you're not asking the right questions. Ask what the man was thinking. And I was like, well, what was the man thinking? And so you, you supplied some of the possibilities of what the man might have been thinking. His Sabbath was central. It's not like he forgot. Sabbath, their whole lives revolved around obeying the law and keeping the Sabbath and acknowledging God, that he was holy and that he did everything. So the man didn't believe, or he believed God didn't care, or God didn't see, or God didn't know, or that God wouldn't look after him. There's a whole bunch of lies there. And so the people in the crowd know that this Jesus, this prophet, this rabbi, He's raised somebody from the dead. So that's possible. That's a hopeful thing. That's good. That's a good sign. We're looking for Messiah. We're looking for Messiah. We just want him so bad that we can taste it. We're looking for Messiah. And they're in the crowd. And, and maybe they're thinking about when Solomon came to power. And remember that David's son, Adonijah, they crowned him first. And Bathsheba came to David and said... Uh, David, we got a problem here. They've crowned the wrong guy. You promised me my son would be king. And David says, get my mule and put Solomon on it. And let him ride the king's mule into town and acknowledge the proper son of David. The proper son of David. And that's what happened. And Solomon came in. We came into the golden age as a prophetic picture of the reign of Christ. The golden age, just a piece, just a taste, just a foretaste of what Jesus was bringing as the king. But if you've ever heard of the, the Jewish fest, the celebration of Hanukkah, everybody heard of Hanukkah? Do you know what it commemorates? It commemorates 200 years, almost 200 years before Jesus, when the Maccabeans had a revolt because Judaism had basically been outlawed by the Seleucids, and they said, you can't be practicing Jews 
And so Simon Maccabeus rose up and led a revolt. And lo and behold, it happened. And they cleansed the second temple and they rededicated the altar. And how was that ushered in? With palm branches. And so Jewish nationalism was ripe in the minds of the people. We're under the Romans. This stinks. We can't be free people. We can't do and practice our, our Jewish faith the way we want to. And here comes this guy who may be coming to set us free. Maybe like Solomon. Maybe like Simon Maccabus. Maybe he's going to give us our Jewish nation back. Do you remember how many times Jesus would do something after he fed the 5,000? It said, and they were going to come and take him and make him king by force. Oh, yeah, that's Jesus' way. And he disappears into the crowd. He says, you, you haven't got the right mindset. You're not getting it yet. It's so much bigger. It's so much bigger than what you're thinking about. You're thinking about it? Yeah, there's a lot of us thinking about Canada right now. I got my flag up. <laughs> I love this nation. I love nationhood. God made boundaries. But I don't ever want to have a mindset that says, God, I think I know the way ahead here and that my mind is so small in its perception that I miss the glory of the king coming in to do this new thing that's so much bigger, so much more lasting, so much stronger, so much more than I would ever think of. And that's what I feel like we're on the cusp of right now is that the severity of God and the goodness of God are marching hand in hand, and he's saying, don't miss the kingdom! Don't miss what I'm bringing! I'm rebuilding the church! Because it's not just the church, it's the kingdom! It's Jesus' favorite word after Father. He loves the kingdom. He loves the kingdom. He loves the king. And he wants to see the kingdom walked out by the citizens of the kingdom who know the king and love the king and understand where their citizenship belongs and what it entails. The first thing he wants us to know is we have like a passport in the kingdom. We have identity papers. We need to know who we are in Christ. Do you, I just, if you've been in the kingdom a while, it seems like we have to reboot a lot of things. Identity in Christ 101. This is not a given in the church anymore. People do not know who they are in Christ. They do not know that their identity is foundational. That when things come up against us, in the beginning, when the serpent comes to Eve and says, did God really say and questions the goodness of God, and questions their relationship with God, that they are sons and daughters of God. You're already made in his image. You don't, it doesn't get better than this. It just gets fulfilled. It just gets, it ripens. It's like fine wine. It's just going to get better 
and better and better until we come to the day of glory. He will carry on the good work he began in you until the day of Christ Jesus. Whether you meet him before he comes or you meet him, you meet him up on your way when you graduate. There's no losing in the kingdom. There's only win. It's win-win. And so there's a kingdom that's coming, and he's raising up the people of the kingdom to carry the kingdom. I am the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. What an incredible thing. We're studying this in, in um, Wednesday Bible study, the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. And after Jesus says, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven and all the Beatitudes. And he says, you are the light of the world. Turns out they used to call Jewish rabbis the lamps of the universe. Rabbi, you know, Yahshua, lamp of the universe. Peter the fisherman, light of the world. Come on. That's the difference. As Jesus said, it's not about elitism. The Pharisees said, it's us and them. We keep the law to the nitty gritty, right? Down to the things that God never even thought about making rules, built a fence around it. And the Pharisees said, this is what religion looks like. And Jesus said, you can keep that. I'm not about religion. I'm about the Father and I'm about the kingdom. And so here he comes riding on a donkey. And so here were these people that said, we're waiting. We're waiting for the kingdom of Israel. We're waiting for the fulfillment of all the promises. We're waiting for what you promised to Father Abraham. And this may be the guy. And Jesus is like, you're kind of missing it. I'm not on a white stallion yet. I'm on a donkey. <laughs> and he came as the prince of peace. He came meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall see God. And they saw God. And they saw, and he was meek, but they missed it. They missed the whole point because their mindsets were not, were not picking up on what God was trying to say. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Yeah, but he's not coming to overthrow the Romans. He's not coming to do it the way they thought that he was going to do it. And Zechariah says, do not be afraid daughter of Zion. We said Heather talking about how many times it says, do not be afraid. Your king is coming. Your king is coming. Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Your king is coming. Well, that's as true today as it was when they said it then. Do not be afraid, people of God. Your king is coming. He will be riding on a white horse. He will be, because he comes in victory. He didn't come on the the six days, five days before Passover, riding on a stallion like a general, came as the Prince of Peace on a donkey. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. It's really always about trust, isn't it? What are we trusting in? What are we trusting in? You know, Jesus challenges the rich young ruler and he says, okay, you, you, you're on the right track. Go and sell everything you have and then come and follow me. And it says he loved him. But the young man went away sad because he trusted in his riches. 
you know, this morning I sat before the Lord and, uh, you know, I'm looking out at my garden and it's all spring flowers and I love spring flowers because I don't have to do a blessed thing. They just pop out of the ground. I'm like, this is the best kind of gardening. I love this kind of gardening. <laughs> I just sit there and all of a sudden my yard is full of color and I'm like, hallelujah, that's gardening. That's, that's the best. So I'm looking out at my, on my hyacinth and it's also colorful in the heather and I'm going, oh God, God gave us this house. God says, what if I, what if I asked you for your house back? And I said, well, good God, you gave it to me. You can take it again. You know, house is here to serve the kingdom of heaven. That's why we have the saints in the house all the time. He said, what about if I took Gord? I said, you know, that would be really brutal. But I would get through. I would get through. He said, what about if I took your granddaughter? It's not like he's seen I'd taken her. What if you lost her? Would you still serve me? And I said, we would be crushed. We would be crushed, but out of the crushing, you would make wine. And he just sort of went through the litany of things that I love. And I said, but God, above all else, I love you. You know I love you. You know I love you. Above all else, I love you. And I, I just, he wants our trust. It's always been about trust. It's always been about where do I run when the times get tough? Where do I run? Do I trust in, you know, my government? Do I trust in the medical system? Do I trust in my family? Do I trust in a beloved spouse? Who do I trust in? And the Lord says, I want to be your first love. I want to be your first love because that love is eternal. That love is forever. That's you and me in eternity forever. And I said, I love you, Lord. I just love you. I, no matter what I have or what I don't have, I have you. I have you, and you're always more than enough. And you're always more than enough, and you're so faithful. How could we be anything but faithful? But the history of mankind, the history of the people of God, is people choosing something other than the one who is faithful and worthy of all of our trust. And so Jesus rides out on the donkey, and he's like, you know, this is the way it's supposed to be because everything he did fulfilled scripture. And I'm sure he, he was looking at the crowd and loving them, even like he loved Jesus, Judas. He chose Judas. He loved Judas. And he says, but I'm, I, some people are just not understanding and so they're crying out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And he said, yeah, yeah, but some of you are not going to get it. And it won't be a blessed day. It won't be a blessed day. But I'm going to die for all of mankind, all of the world. Because he loved us that much, that much, that much. You see, I got a pretty good imagination. <laughs> Put myself there. In the crowd. So here's the Pharisees, and they said, this is getting us nowhere. Look, the whole world has gone after him. So what did Pharisees trust in? Their own righteousness. 
their reputations. They loved the praise of men. Some of them wanted to convert, but it says they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. I don't know if that's ever an issue for you. Sometimes you just have to check your own heart, right? And say, am I doing something for the praise of men? Or am I not doing something out of fear of man? I just have to check my own heart, right? And just say, God, I just, I just want what you want. Don't let, me, don't let me magnify something more than you. And there were some Greeks amongst those who went up to worship at the festival. Population of Jerusalem just exploded, right? It's Feast of Pentecost, same thing. That's why there were so many nationalities there. People just descended on Jerusalem. They came to Philip, the Greeks, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with the request, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. And Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. The world was there. You know, Jesus is going to say in John 17, I've got sheep who aren't of this fold. That's probably all of us, most of us. I've got sheep who aren't of this fold. His plan was always universal. His plan was always for the world. And Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And Jesus told parables of this. He said, you know, some, the sower goes out and he sows seed, and some bears 30 times more than was sown, some 60, some 100-fold more than what was sown. And Brian, I know what you're talking about because we get at a point in our life and we go, you know, I'm assessing my life. But I encourage you not to, not to go too far with that. The enemy will tie you up in knots on that one. And even Paul said that. He says, I don't judge myself. I just bring it before the Lord and say, God, you know. You know. And every day we're just as faithful as we, as we can be and we give it to God, right? Amen. So he says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Will anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, because they... No, they're not bringing anything to the party. <laughs> they're like, okay, God, it's just me. It's just me in my poverty of spirit. And God says, yeah, I can work with that. Let's go. Let's run in the kingdom. Let's do the, the works and the, have the adventures that I've always planned for you to have. Anyone who loses their life, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will be also. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, says Jesus, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for very, this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And the voice came from heaven and said, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And the crowd that was, that was there heard it and said it thundered. 
Others said an angel had spoken to him. And Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. He and the Father are one. They're always in communion. They're talking. They're communing. They're, they're sharing. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. And he said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. And the crowd spoke up. We've heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. And so again, we got, we got crooked thinking, right? We've got people reading God's word, but not interpreting it properly. And so they end up with a, with a mindset that's not spot on. How can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? I love that Jesus called himself the Son of Man. It's from Ezekiel. And Jesus says, calls himself the Son, the Son of God, calls himself the Son of Man, so that the poor and those who mourn and those who are meek and those who are pure in heart and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness can be called what? Sons of God. God becomes man, calls himself son of man, so that man can be redeemed from his sin and be called a son of God. Only God would think of that. And Jesus told them, you're going to have the light for just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before the darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in dark does not know where they're going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. And when he'd finished speaking, Jesus left them and hid himself from him. And I'm going to end there. So much, so much in there of Jesus knowing what he's going to do, knowing how much he loves everybody and how much people are in their own thoughts and in their own conceptions of what's going on. And they don't really know, and it says, it wasn't until after he was raised and glorified that they even understood how he was fulfilling the scripture. The next chapter begins, John 13 begins with Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And I love this because he's just ridden into Jerusalem and people are hailing him as the king. And again, some broken mindsets. Peter says, ah, no, 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 can't wash my feet, Lord. That you're, you're, you're like, you're the son of God. He's starting to get it. You're the king. You are, you are, you are the Christ. And Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you can't have part of me, Peter. And then Peter's like, oh, well, then wash my head. Oh, like, here's Peter. And then here's Peter, right? <laughs> it's like, I, I, he just wants to get it right, but he, he, he sometimes misses it. And, but he gets there. Jesus gets him there. That's the encouraging part, isn't it? He gets us there because he loves us and because he's committed to us. And so of all the things that we can do, the thing he wants us to do is believe. It's just to believe. It's to believe. It's to trust him. It's to trust him. It's just to trust him. When things aren't going the way we hoped they would go, am I trusting him? 
Am I trusting him? And what does that look like? And like Francis Frangipan said, if there's some place in my life that doesn't glisten with hope, possibly I'm believing a lie. And to ask God, Holy Spirit, show me. Show me if there's something in me that's keeping me from knowing you and understanding you and interpreting your word and, and just receiving everything you have for me because that's what we all want. That's what we all want. So, Father, I just thank you for the glory of the cross. I thank you for the effectiveness of the blood of Jesus, Lord, that washes us from all unrighteousness. I thank you for the beauty and the goodness that the name of the Lord is a strong tower, that the righteous run to it, and we're safe, Lord, because of your character, because of your goodness, because of your mercy, because of your love. And so, Lord, even this week as we, as we contemplate afresh, Lord, as we, as at home or together, we, we take the body and the blood, as we take the elements and we say, God, this was your body, not mine. I didn't have to die. You died in my place, and not just for me, but for everyone who would believe. Lord, we thank you for your magnificent, stunning, world-changing, history-determining plan that, that came out of love. Lord, we're, we marvel at your goodness. We marvel that we are called sons and daughters of the living God. And Lord, I pray that we would see Christ in one another and that we would marvel, Lord, and that we would esteem one another as better than ourselves because of God in them, the divine nature. And Lord, that we would be gentle with one another and gracious and kind and forgiving. And Lord, that you would build us into your glorious body. Jesus, you are the head of the body. And Father, we just want that your body would be proportionate to how glorious you are. Thank you that your church will be without spot or wrinkle. Thank you that you build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. Lord, you are amazing. We fix our eyes on you. And Lord, the amazing inheritance we have in you, the glory of eternity, the glory of our calling, the glory of having the privilege of living with Christ in us, God in us. Who are we? Who are we that you, God, would consider us with such honor and privilege? So, Lord, I pray that our hearts would trust you fully every day. Lord, that we would trust you. That, God, when we're afraid, when we don't know what's going to happen, when we're tired, when we're weary, when things are not looking the way we would like them to look, that we will trust in you, and that will look like peace, and it will look like joy, and it will look like thanksgiving and hearts full of gratitude, because we know you're in charge, and you love us with an everlasting love. God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the body of Christ. We bless you. Lord, we pray that your church will celebrate you. Celebrate you with glory, with humility, with freedom. Not only this coming Sunday, God, and Easter, but that we would live the resurrection power and life and glory. 
Lord, till the end of time. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, uh, we have food. <laughs> oh, we forgot to turn the coffee on. We should sing a song while the coffee perks. Um, but not as long as it will take the coffee. Yes, and then we will, uh, we will release you to go. And um, we would like to honor our senior folks. Um, so those of you, especially that, it's, it's tricky to get your plate and you need a little help. Please, please go first. And let's allow our, our senior folks to get there first and get their food. So we'll go out this door and along the uh, tables and then back in this way and then... Share the love of God. Share your testimonies of what God has done over lunch. I know you'll bless one another.